Love Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Don Scott Damon, and you are listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. This isn't just talk radio, this is walk radio, because we walk out the principles of God. We're women helping women live full and free lives. I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight. Tonight we're going to pick up from a recording that we listened to last week. I'm doing an interview with Melissa Boggs, and we're talking about the seven habits of highly effective people. I don't know about you, but I want to be effective in my life. Time on earth is short. God's got to work for us to do. I don't want to be tied down by the things of this life and the enemy and strongholds and struggles and depression and discouragement. I want to be free to live the life that God has called me to live. And I want to be effective in changing the world. So I want you to stay tuned and join me tonight as we join the interview that I did a few weeks back or I guess months back now with Melissa Boggs. Before we do that, however, I am hoping that you will stop by my website, freedomgirlsisterhood.com, and drop me a line. Let me know you're listening. Or you can go to my Facebook, Dawn Scott Jones, and let me know there that you've been listening. And I would love to hear from you. Or let me know what you'd like to hear a program on. We're going to have the sisterhood back in the house in a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to that. So stay tuned. Join me now, if you will, on this session, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. For our purposes tonight in our discussion, a habit is com- comprised of what three things? Well, it's the the knowledge you know, what to do, what you're doing, why you're doing it, um, the skill of how to do it, and the desire of wanting to do it. And when those three things intersect, it becomes a habit over time. Over time. And I think it's like maybe 28 days. They say anything you do for 28 days becomes a habit. I might not have that exactly right. Yes, I believe I've heard that that's the number. They develop, and they're very hard to break, but they're much easier to develop. (laughs) That I know. It's easier to get into a habit. Well, I think it's easy to get into bad habits, and I think it becomes difficult to to get into good habits sometimes. Yeah, that's true, too. Sometimes the good habits require more. So to um, summarize again or reiterate, you're saying knowledge, which is the what to do and why to do it, Mm -hmm. and skill, the how to do it, Mm -hmm. and the desire, the want to do it. When those three things intersect or interface, then it becomes a habit. Yes. And a habit is something that becomes very easy mm-hmm. for us, very um, regular, mm-hmm. and kind of a knee reflex reaction. And it's something that now is a part of our life. We don't have to think about it. It's what we do. Right. And sometimes it's you actually have to have your habits identified for you, uh, more likely the bad habits <laughs> than the good habits. So, you know, again, in, in being a proactive person, which we'll get to, is, is identifying what your habits are um, mm-hmm. and then, again, developing the ones that you want to keep. 
Okay, so habit number one. You almost just gave it away. In fact, you did. did. I did. What is habit number one? Uh, It's being proactive, taking control (laughs) of your life um, as opposed to being reactive. I mean, we get stuck in that. I I see so many friends um, and family members who just live by being reactive to what's going on around them Mm -hmm. instead of taking control of what's going around them and being proactive. And it certainly takes some a mindset to be proactive, mm-hmm. but it is so healthy and so empowering mm-hmm. when you approach things in a proactive way. Mm-hmm. If you don't, and if you let life just happen and you become a reactive person, it is so much harder to get back into proper place. Mm-hmm. Because you're just swimming in circumstances and mm-hmm. and areas that you have little ability to control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's boy. I think sometimes could I have learned this younger? Yeah. Really? I yeah. mean, the model that we talked about of that gentleman who brought his family to the boardroom and they planned their things. They were so proactive, and that just put in those kids from such a early age the knowledge mm-hmm. that they can control mm-hmm. their responses to the environment. You can't control the environment. You can control the way you respond mm-hmm. to the environment and to circumstances. That's a good um, differentiation mm-hmm. that we're, we, we respond when we are proactive. We're not reacting. In fact, we're getting ahead of it. And we're deciding before an event or something ever takes place perhaps what our priorities are, what our values are, what our principles are, what our plan is. And this conversation is huge. But for the listener, being proactive instead of being reactive. Once again, just define those two things, proactive and reactive. And then I've got a couple of questions. Well, I'm going to give you some language. Yes. I think sometimes I learn by example. And proactive language would be, let's look at our alternatives. The reactive statement to that would be, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. A proactive statement would be, I can choose a different approach. The reactive person would say, well, that's just the way I am. The proactive person would say, I control my own feelings. The reactive person would say, it makes me so mad, I can't help it. The The proactive person would say, I can create an effective presentation. The reactive person is going to say, oh, they won't allow that. (laughs) The proactive person will say, I will choose an appropriate response. The reactive person is going to say, I have to do that. The proactive person will say, I choose the reactive, I can't. The proactive, I prefer. The reactive, I must. The proactive, I will and they're active, if only. Mm, that's so good. That's such good stuff. And so I'm hearing you say that a reactive person, it, they're, they're driven by feelings and circumstances, conditions, the environment. They're a victim of life circumstances. Oh, and even the most intelligent, most gifted person if they are not proactive, we'll, we'll just digress into cynicism. Well, it's not going to make any difference oh. anyway. You know, we're not going to get anywhere. And they just lower their standards. They, they, 
they just give it up. I, I know I can feel this is my hitting my passion because I can feel myself going, ah, it's the uh, proverbial ostrich with their head in the sand. Exactly. And the glass is half empty kind of an outlook. Mm-hmm. And again, who knows what their paradigm was or their, where they've come from to adopt such a viewpoint. Right. But the reactive person, you can hear it you, in those statements. They are, they are victims of life. They're disempowered. Right. They're, they lack vision and purpose, and they're not happy people because they never know when they get up each day, and certainly none of us do, but there is going to be a vapor of just a leaf blown in the wind wherever. I don't know what life's going to bring, so it's just kind of a case sera, sera, whatever. I can't make be. a difference. So why bother? And, you know, I had to deal with this in my life probably more recently than I'd like to admit, um, having learned this long time ago, I was in a situation where I felt in this particular group it was just hopeless because the leader of the group was so disorganized. Mm. And so, I, I mean, there were just so many things about him that I didn't admire or respect. I thought he was dysfunctional, but he was the leader. Mm. So that's just that's something I could not change. Out of your control. Out of my control. But I had passion for the group. Mm-hmm. So there was, I was battling with this. I'm going to tell on him, or, or first I'm going to go tell him everything I think, where he's wrong, how he should change, and this will help him, and That's it will help the group. Plan. I'm sure that would go over very well. <laughs> I was sure it would help him. I'm sure he was just going to see it, and then he was going to change, and everything would be wonderful. It's like that say, I will defend to the death your right to my opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then when I thought, when I chickened out on that, um, I said... Or thought better of it. I thought better of it, I guess, would be more more appropriate. I was going to quit. Mm. Because I can't do anything about it. He's leading, and until they get their sense about them and they change the leadership in here, I just don't want to have my name associated with it at all. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I, after much prayer, I realized that if I would take my part, which I had influence over, mm-hmm. and do it great, mm-hmm. try to anticipate his weaknesses and cover them, mm-hmm. And try to be prepared so that I could make him look better. Yes, that's great. And do everything as well as I could. We will all succeed. You would all succeed. And that's why you're in the group. Mm-hmm. Again, because you have influence. I don't have control, full control, but I have influence. And the funny thing is I read an article in Covey's book that was almost identical to that. Oh, man. It hit me in the face. What was cool is kind of after the fact, so I'm like, okay, I'm proud I come up with that. It came up with that, but it's tried and true mm-hmm. in big business, in marriage. Mm-hmm. How about your marriage is falling apart? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't have any control. He hates me. He he just he's he might be seeing somebody else. He might whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever it is, mm-hmm. what do you have responsibility to? Take responsibility for your life. Be proactive. Um, be driven by considering and selecting and carefully recognizing the things that you have power over, yeah. the things that you can do. 
get a plan. And love is a verb. And love is a verb. I will tell you, if I think that my husband was having an affair, I might go back to your scenario and go into his face and tell him everything that I think that he needs to know. You're human. <laughs> well, and I'm mad, by the way. But it's it's true. I mean, you you have to, and, and that's the next step of what Covey is talking to us about and being proactive is that understanding there are two, there's an area of concern and there's an area of influence. Do I have that right? I think that's how he mm-hmm. put it. Um, right. Yeah, circle of concern. You have a circle of concern and a circle of influence. And you have to be able to identify what is in your area, your circle of concern, mm-hmm. emotions, you know, craziness. Things that are violations, things, things that take your want. focus, your energy, yeah. you're, you're, you're concerned about it, thinking about it. And circle of influence is what can I really do? How can I really impact this? And that's where you have to live in that. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the, the husband who says he doesn't love you anymore and that he wants to leave, you cannot get tied up in that. You cannot control that. What you have to do is be the best person you can be. Do what you're supposed to do. Take care of your kids. Present a good home for him and love him. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to love you first. He didn't even have to love you. Your circle of influence is doing what God has called you to do. And God has called you to love him, not as an emotion. Mm-hmm. That is your command. And that is your covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. And so... You can grab onto that, and then God can take care of the things you can't influence. And it's also your choice. Yeah. Because we would never certainly advocate anyone um, be staying in a situation where they're we're being abused. Or, right. You know, let, let's right. get that out of the way. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about a situation where God hasn't released you yet. We don't know what's going on in this scenario, in his life, yet we're not sure. And we have a choice on what we're going to do. Now, problems fall into three areas. Direct control. Mm -hmm. Um, These are problems involving our own behavior. Indirect control. Problems involving the behavior of others. And we we may have some influence over that. Or no control. Problems we can do nothing about. And so you identify what have I some control, what have I absolutely no control, and what might I be able to influence. And I have a choice what I'm going to do, and I'm going to live in that. Am I going to be proactive? Mm-hmm. Even someday making a hard choice if I have to in the scenario that you give us. Right. But I'm going to be proactive. And, um, you know, prayer and intercession is a proactive posture as well. It is. Yeah, good. Not Very just good. being a victim. Mm-hmm. Saying I'm going to move and shake and influence heaven if I have to and um, do what I can on this side. And then God will do what I can't. You know, and, and in our community, um, we have just experienced two young people taking their lives. Mm, so sad. It, it, it's It's gut-wrenchingly painful. And I really don't think we've... We're talking about it enough. You know, the true, um, the root of what may have been, what I've heard has been the problem mm-hmm. for both of these young people was bullying, um, feeling that um, nobody liked them or the disappointment of, of somebody abandoning them or discarding them. This principle can, can help you. Mm-hmm. You cannot control what other people say 
what they think, what they feel. We can't. Mm -hmm. As much as that hurts and as much as that is hard to live with, it's a reality. It's a reality. And it will be your reality all your life. Mm -hmm. But you can control who you are. And that's where your power is. Mm -hmm. That's where the redeeming presence of God is in what you can control and what He can through you bring out Mm -hmm. and produce. You and Him, man. You don't need anyone else. You don't need anything else. Because I have seen over and over again a person who who has been so hurt by the world and has allowed that to happen, but when they grab onto God and say, God, you're enough, mm-hmm. God redeems them. It's not quick. You, you walk through pain on this earth, but he, he redeems do. you. I, I mean, look at, I mean, I don't know that he's the most Christian man. I don't really know. Bill Gates. He was a nerd. He was not, sure. He was talked about. He was discarded. He was probably not that popular in school. I'm just saying, Jesus redeemed me <laughs> like Bill Gates. <laughs> there you go. Come on. I'm, I'm telling you, kids, high school, elementary school, it is such a blip in your life. Hold on to who you are. Be the best person you can be. Walk with your head up. Feel sorry for those who would stoop to that level because it's usually their own insecurity, having to put someone down so they can feel up higher. And, so good. And stay there. Stay there. And you know what? When you do great in high school or when you conquer that and go on to the next level or with your family or your job. It's an amazing thing, I'll tell you. One of us at this table turned 50. <laughs> and, um, oh, no. It, it, it's too bad that at 50 you get this stuff. Yeah, that is so true. And we wish we knew it when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And I know that 50 sounds old if you are in high school, <laughs> but it just feels like we're just getting started to live. I know. But you're exactly right. It takes a strength to come up in you, young person, wife, husband, whoever you are, to understand that I can't control what some people say, or what some people think, or what they're going to do. I can only play on the one string I have, as Charles Swindoll says. That's my attitude, my mindset. I can't stop people from being idiots or doing dumb things or being rude or being mean. But thankfully, they're not writing the script Mm -mm. to my story, and they're not the author of my life. There's one who's writing the chapter and page by page to my story, the narrative of my life. God, he loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. He's got a great plan for me. If we can grab that, live that, influence what we can, and forget about what we can't. Wow, that's that's called redemption. That's called living in victory. We'll be back with the interview in just a moment. I'm your freedom coach, Don Scott Damon. Ephesians 3.20, I love it in the Amplified Version. Now to him who, by the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to him be the glory sisters god has so much for you he wants you to be effective in your life 
He wants you to be free from the things that have entangled you, that slow your progress, that stop you, that impede or an impediment to your purpose on earth. God has amazing things for you to do. There's greatness inside of you. And I am so convinced that the Father has made a way for you to reach up, tap his power by the Holy Spirit, and walk in victory. Well, this is Don, your Freedom Coach. I pray that you feel encouraged. Stop by my website freedomgirlsisterhood.com. I love to hear from you. And now stay tuned as we conclude step two of the seven habits of highly effective people. I want you to picture this with me. You're standing at your funeral. You're having an out-of-body experience because you're gone, but you have a window and you're allowed to see. And standing at your funeral are people in some have roses in their hands and some have rocks. Some want to drop the roses and sing your praise and some, maybe they want to throw that rock and say, I'm glad. I don't know what the picture is, but habit number two allows us to think about our future. Tell us what habit number two is and then bring us through that picture I just shared. That's so good. Well, it's, Habit number two is beginning with the end in mind. And that's exactly where this picture takes us, the end of your life. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you want people to say? What is it that you want people to feel? What is it that you want your life to have accomplished Mm -hmm. while you're here? We have this short time between where God created us as humans to live on this earth to that time where we go into eternity. Mm-hmm. And so in that line, what do you want that line to say? Would it be selfish of me if I said I wanted them to say, I can't believe that at 101 she was still wearing high heels. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's I think one that's of mine. That's core value. <laughs> <laughs> it's a principle. <laughs> it's a principle. It's a spiritual law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's amazing. You know, um, Schwarzkopf, that's how you say it. Easy for you to say. Yeah. He was interviewed at the end of the uh, Gulf War, and and they said, you know, what would you want your epitaph to say? And he said that I was a good soldier and I loved my family. Wow. That was Mm -hmm. it. From that incredible mind, from that great Of all the things he could say. Yeah. It came down to that. That's what he wanted. And I thought, I don't know if that was rehearsed or if he knew that ahead of time um, or if that was just a spontaneous thing that came out of his head when he was interviewed that day of all days. Um, But that's, you know, that's when we do our mission statement, like we talked about before, your mission statement should be quite concise. It doesn't need to be too short, but it doesn't need to be a page and a half. But it's the building block of your core values of your plan you know, and and I think that what you just said is just a brilliant exercise for each person to take some time with, mm-hmm. to be quiet and still and say, what, between that dot of birth and that dot of eternity, mm-hmm. what, is, what does my line say? Mm-hmm. 
And so if we do the exercise with habit number two in mind, we're beginning with the end in mind. How does that help us? Does that come back to our discussion of living by design instead of default? That habit number two is based on the principle that all things, as Kavi says, are created twice. Yes. You know, and then we, it's so easy for me to get into family and marriage, and but this this book also applies to leadership with organizations and companies and nonprofits and churches and everything and mm-hmm. and everything is created twice. It's created first in your mind and that's the leadership part of creation. You have a vision. Mm-hmm. You know, you ha- you see what you want you to accomplish. It. You, you can see picture it. it. Everything that was ever created, the car, it was it was thought about in somebody's mind and put into a blueprint and 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 it was the, it was their product, but until the second creation, where it was actually physically created, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the first creation is leadership. The second creation is management. Okay. So again, the visual is let's use a home for example. Mm-hmm. I see the dream house. I see what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's the first creation. Mm-hmm. It's in that realm and the abstract realm again. It's not materialized yet. And I put it on paper and then it's built. And then hopefully it matches the dream or better than. It just cost more. It just cost more. <laughs> and the contractors were really slow, I might add. <laughs> but, okay, so now I have the second creation. And... Most endeavors fail before they ever even become a second creation. Yeah, that's true. And and sometimes they fail in the first few stages of the creation because the vision wasn't planted well. It wasn't completely thought through um, and given to people with the ability to take it Mm-hmm. You know, the, sometimes a leader doesn't take his hands off, like we talked about before, yes. to give the next tier of people the ability to, to create and implement what that what that plan is. So is that what you mean when you say, okay, the first creation is leadership or visionary? We'll mm-hmm. call it the, the it's the visionary, it's mm-hmm. the leader, it's God giving the vision to the head, if you will, mm-hmm. the the one who can do something about it. Then the second creation. That's management. They're the builders. They're the shapers. Or mm-hmm. they need to be efficient. What help me understand fully what else, what all that means? Well, I think it goes back to what we talked about with the type of synergy that you can develop in a group where you're willing to listen first and understand and and let people own um, what they have. That leader is going to definitely cast that vision, you know, to that group and then allow that group to manage and take it. Now, if you're not thoughtful and purposeful, proactive, you know, um, beginning with the end in mind, you aren't going to cast the right vision. I mean, and and in our busyness, Mm -hmm. you know, as we go and we're so busy and busy, you could be done and go, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But I caught, caught up in the busyness of it. You know, and 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 did not take care of my vision. Did not make sure that the vision was being implemented right. And 
and things get out of hand and your life's work may have gone in a total direction because you haven't come back to your mission statement. You haven't come back to your purposes. You haven't, you know, what is it, protected your vision. Protected it. I have two thoughts in mind as you're saying that. And one of them is, as a writer, we have a thing that calls is called writing yourself into a corner. Mm-hmm. You thought you know where the chapter was going and you named it and you, you thought you saw the beginning from the end. Right. Um, beginning with the end in mind. And you're writing and all of a sudden your writing takes you to a place where it's like, this is really good stuff, but it is not the name of the chapter. Right, you've lost track of the end. I've lost track of the end, so I didn't watch the road signs along the Mm -hmm. way. Or as a pastor in a church, I often see that we're doing great at our programs and our goals that we'll have for those programs, and we're... You know, did we did we start on time? Did we fit? We get all these little things that we're doing. We're doing great. However, for the overall vision of what we want to be, we are so far off. Right. It's like that, we did a great thing it. at the uh, you know the um, the craft fair here mm-hmm. this Christmas. I'm making this up, but but the craft fair is not our vision. Right. But we just spent a whole lot of dollars and energy and time and secretarial and support, and it went off great. Has nothing to do with where we want to go. Yeah, it, that's that's a great example, and it happens in business. It happens in our families. I mean, we get sidetracked, we get railroaded, and then we're not going forward into what either God has called us to do and what our plan has called us to do, and you waste a lot of time. And like you said, if at the end of your life, that wasn't what I intended. So as a... It burned up on the Bema seat. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what the Bema seat is, um, you don't want to... Yes, you you do want to know. You You do want to be be there. That's a whole other program. (laughs) Okay, so um, to summarize then, a successful person has this habit in their life. And what this habit looks like is that they often consider and go back to the vision the leadership, the first creation. Mm -hmm. They go back to and they measure what they're doing along the line. And again, it starts with saying, I'm living by design and I have to stop and reflect. I have to look at my priorities again. I have to take a breather. I have to stop and say, is the thing that I'm spending time, energy, focus on, is that, did I see that picture? Is that the original creation? And, and that's right. And it's it, it's it's um it's so important with companies. It's so important with families. And it also um, helps us in not only being productive, but with like a company being sustainable over the long run. Mm-hmm. Longevity. And we've got, I mean, we have barely hit on this. I'm, we're going to have to do another program. Okay, we'll have to do another program. <laughs> I want to just talk to the listener today because when we start talking about our life and living by design, and again, I mentioned earlier, maybe it's similar to retirement planning, and we can get discouraged because a lot of our life is gone, mm-hmm. and we didn't plan mm-hmm. or we didn't live Good. that way, and the, the years have just flown by. As I said a moment ago, one of us at this table is 50. <laughs> I'm not, not telling who. It's not me. <laughs> um, I've, I've endured this all week. <laughs> <laughs> you've endured it well, and you've preserved it, I might add. <laughs> True. But, you know, 
What would you say to the person who's listening tonight and they say, it just feels like it's too late for me. I, I'm, I'm the if-only person. I feel discouraged and I feel unworthy and I feel disappointed in my life. And Is it over for them? Is it too late? That's really good news. You know, it really is, it is good news, especially for those who believe. Mm-hmm. Because, again, let go of what the past is what it was, let go of what you cannot influence, take it back to where you are today and start anew. Start today with this plan. I mean, think of the gentleman whose whose mission statement was that his kids, you know, always get together, even after them. You can start that right now, and it might be a slow, sometimes painful process, but our God restores and redeems what was lost. He, at any point, loves us more than we can imagine and loves the people we love even more than we do. And I remember one time when I thought my son was just lost, and he said to me, who is, who am I? Hmm. And who is he to me? Mm-hmm. He is mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and he restored those lost years. Mm-hmm. He redeemed him, and he restored. Amen. You know, Certainly time can be our friend if we're planning and we're investing and we're putting away and we're working our goal and our vision and our plan. Time is a wonderful thing. But understand that we serve a God who caused time to stand still. Mm -hmm. He stopped the sun and the earth from rotating. He can do it for our lives exponentially, miraculously, mysteriously, It starts today just simply by saying, I choose God. I will be interdependent and completely dependent on my relationship with God and understand that He can redeem my life. He can do things that I thought was too late, too hopeless, too far gone in a miraculous way if you'll just turn your life over to Him. Let go, let God, trust Him, and live for Him. And see what he'll do for your life. I believe he's got great things in store for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. 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 I'll add my amen to that. Well, our time is up. It's been great to be with you once again. I hope you'll stay tuned next week, same time, 8 o'clock on Monday night, when the Freedom Girls Sisterhood returns. Until then, God bless you. Live large. Be free. And in Jesus' name, walk in victory. We'll see you next week.